Hello dear friends, it's Carly and welcome to another episode of the I Learned Podcast. We are winging it today, folks. Okay, that's that's the game plan. Uh, I was in my journal just a bit ago and basically had this awareness that I really want to record my energy. The energy feels right, but... I was hesitating because I hadn't translated anything into like my conscious awareness. Like I didn't, I didn't have a preview of what I was going to say when I get in here. Normally I have at least an inkling of like what is at the front of my mind that is likely to come through in these episodes. And I didn't have that. And so I was in my journal and basically took that moment, that slight discomfort because I wanted to do it, but I didn't quite feel ready. And so at this slight discomfort and used it as a moment to be really grateful for my own personal freedom that like, okay, yeah, I do want to show up on a new episode, but that's not a scheduled thing. That doesn't depend on anybody else. I can totally relax into my process and I can tweak my energy to get it into a place where I feel comfortable and ready. And right about then the message landed in my brain, pull a tarot card. And it felt exactly like when I was gushing in my journal about rolling wave planning the other day and source was like pull a tarot card to elaborate on that and I pulled the page of swords it felt like the the feeling of receiving the message felt exactly the same and so I did I pulled a tarot card and first before I do that I have to do a quick corrections corner this is a concept that I get from Karen and Georgia on their podcast, My Favorite Murder. It's absolutely one of my favorites. I I feel like they're my friends. Like listening to that podcast feels like having friend time. Um, their episodes, like for the first 20 or 30 minutes, it's just them talking about like what they're watching on Netflix and what they've been up to and their pets and their relationships and their family and they're just catching up on life. And it just is, they're both hilarious. So it's a lot of fun. And then they each tell a story about a true crime murder, typically 99% of the time. And so, yeah, that's, that's my favorite podcast. And one of the segments that they do in those first 20, 30 minutes is corrections corner because they both are like the queens of winging it, just like bullshitting and throwing it together and whatever, like C plus effort and never fails. Like they spout off with the details and they get the details wrong here and there. And then people will like tweet them and message them on Instagram or whatever and be like, Hey, just to clarify, like, it's actually like this that, you know, you talked about it and whatever, here's the right answer. And people are usually really nice about it because they are so open to being corrected. And that right there is a life skill all by itself of like, you know, how open are you to other people pointing out your mistakes? Because I think a lot of us are a little touchy, but they just roll with it. They're like, Hey, I got a corrections corner. I said this, that was wrong. Here's the right thing. 
moving on with our lives. And it's like not an emotional like saga of an ordeal. It's just like, here's the facts. I messed it up. Okay, moving on. And I really admire that. So I have a corrections corner where on a previous episode, um, and I'm sure you guys are listening like super intently and you totally are going to be able to catch this, but I mentioned that the Lightseer's deck uh, the book has a has an exercise for you to like get familiar with your deck and you pick your light card and your dark card and it's just like the the picture on the card that is the highest frequency feeling to you and then for the dark card the picture that has the lowest feeling frequency for you and I had said that the six of wands was my light card because that's what I was remembering at that moment. And that's not true because I think what happened was it came down to the six of wands and this other one, because as soon as I laid eyes on the card that I drew, I was like, oh no, this is my light card. This is absolutely my light card. Um, and I'll, as always, I'll post a picture on the Instagram, um, the colors on this card and the look on her face, it's like a, like a fiery background almost. And there's like a stallion rearing in the background. And in the foreground is just this single independent, happy woman. And she's on her knees and she has a drum and she is like playing the hell out of this drum and her hair is all wild and her face, she looks so happy, like so free and so in her own flow and just blissed out. That's how she looks. And between that expression on her face and the colors of this overall card being so warm and exuberant and just like full of life, uh, yes, this is my light card. The Knight of Wands is this card. I realized I didn't even say it yet. So the Knight of Wands, that's the card I drew. And I'm going to start by reading the description of this card and then riff off of this for a little bit because as I read it, I was like, oh, so I see it's all tied together as usual. Uh, the keywords for the Knight of Wands are charisma, passion, spontaneity, pursuing your dreams, fast energy, enthusiasm, courage, taking inspired action, the pursuit of adventure. Hmm. What have you been dreaming about? The Knight of Wands gallops in and out of your readings with messages of adventure, of impulsivity, and of bravely pursuing the things that inspire you the most. That passion project you've been tinkering with, that drum circle you've always wanted to join, allow spontaneity into your choices and gift yourself the freedom to shift your reality to match your desires. It's okay to crave new things and to run with the wind when you are feeling charged up about an idea. Go with it. Allow this high-spirited energy to rush in and incite a wildfire of positive momentum. In shadow, this card counsels against reckless impulsivity and heated outbursts. You don't want all that pent-up creative energy to spontaneously combust. Fan the flames and leave some energy for the long haul. Make your passion work for you while whooshing yourself toward success. In the pursuit of the imagined, I manifest this fire with the feelings of with the infectious feelings of inspiration. 
In the pursuit of the imagined, I manifest this fire with the infectious feelings of inspiration. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. So in that exercise in the Lightseer's Tarot deck, it has you just look at the pictures. Um, it's, it's like, don't even worry about like what the cards are, or what they mean, or the reading, what the meaning in the book is to try to pick your light card. Like, don't do it that way. Really like look at the card and connect to the emotion that's being presented on the card and which card personally to you makes you feel the best. And I chose this Knight of Wands card based on the imagery, like I explained. And then the idea is like when source really wants to get your attention with something or wants to like give you a really high flying abundant message, they can use your light card to communicate with you because you've already established this relationship to this card. So when it presents itself, it's like, that's what you're manifesting is the highest frequency, best feeling vibration that you could have imagined you're manifesting it. And so for First of all, for that to be the card that I drew today when I'm like, I want to do an episode, but I don't know what to do. And it's causing me to be in this uncomfortable hesitation place and sources like draw a tarot card. And then they give me my light card and the message of the light card, as I read, is like, allow for spontaneity, allow for impulsiveness a little bit. Like you don't need to have everything planned out. You can just kind of go with it, go with the flow and see what happens, you know, follow your inspiration. And I'm like, (laughs) duh, light bulb moment. I'm inspired to make an episode and I'm holding myself back because I don't know exactly what I'm going to find in this episode. And this card shows up like literally out of nowhere to say like, Quit doing that. Allow for spontaneity. Go for it. Follow your flow. See what happens. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Famous last words. Just kidding. So yeah, that that was a lot of fun to, to just be open and say, first of all, that I don't, just because I want to record doesn't mean I have to do that right now. So if I feel like there's something off in my energy, I can take the time to relax into that and see what is this that needs to be tended to so that I feel ready. And as I leaned into honoring that, you know, there's something out of whack slightly in my energy, you know, I'm not perfect. I'm not ready like I want to be. Instead of beating up on myself, I was just like, okay, I know how to work on my energy. I know how to, you know, lean in a better feeling direction. I know how to set the stage and get ready. So let me just do that. And basically instantly sources like draw a tarot card and the Knight of wands pops up my light card and, you know, and now here we are 11 minutes into this episode. So it really, mm, this is a great example of something that I've learned that like, I don't even know that I give myself credit for this one normally. So this is good. Um, I've learned how to be spontaneous. I've, I mean, and still you see, I'm not the best at it. Right. Um, I still am by nature a planner, but I really am so much better, quote unquote. I'm so much more spontaneous. I'm so much more flexible. I'm so much more 
open and allowing life to come up and for me to respond in the moment instead of needing a guarantee about what the future held. Like, I feel like from my insecure place where I used to exist, I really, really, really needed promises and guarantees about what the future was. And I had a lot of anxiety around those promises and guarantees not coming to fruition. And so even though I might have had the guarantee, I still was nervous about the future. And again, as I traced all of that back, it's like I wasn't secure in myself. I didn't feel I didn't feel whole and worthy all by myself. I was absolutely looking for love in all the wrong places, as you know, Abraham says so often. Um, that so often, like a lot of our angst comes from trying to control external circumstances when that's not a, it's not even possible. And B, it's definitely not how you deliberately create your own reality. That's an inside job. You know, the only thing that we can ever really control is ourselves and our outlook and our perspective on things and what we choose to carry in our energetic grid. That's what we can control. What, whatever anybody else is doing or whatever else is happening in the world, like that just is what it is, you know, and that that's a really frustrating sentiment when you very first come across it. It is what it is, but it's also very empowering when you realize that that actually doesn't apply to everything because like we're talking about, it really only applies to external circumstances. When it comes to external circumstances, it is what it is. When it comes to internal circumstances, like how you feel and your attitude and what you're choosing to spend your time focusing on, those things are deliciously within your own control. So that feels, like I said, self-empowering. It feels like a big exhale of letting yourself off the hook as far as trying to manifest what everybody else is doing and how they're participating with you and all of that. And instead, focus internally on how can you feel the best you can possibly feel with where you are right now. And, you know, so often when we're talking manifestation or law of attraction or any of those, like those kind of subjects, sometimes even spirituality in general, like a lot of people find those topics because there's something in their life that they wish was different. Either there's something they don't have that they want or there's something that they do have that they wish they didn't have. And basically they, they want their life to be different. And so they find this subject of manifestation and creating your own reality and all of these things. And they're coming to it from a place of changing their life, changing those external circumstances, those things that are outside of our control. And those are the people that, you know, Abraham, she, she does her, her events and she takes questions one at a time. There's a hot seat up on stage with her where you go in front of everyone else that's there, usually hundreds of people. And you ask your question and you can always spot the ones who are working towards changing those external circumstances, because it's, it's very clear when, when we talk about what do we want and why do we want it? And 
if that's, if that sounds like, you know, what do I want? I want to be happy. Why do I want to be happy? Because I feel best when I'm happy. You know, like if what you want is a different house, what you want is a different relationship or a relationship, what you want is a different job. Those are the external circumstances that we have no control over. And those are the things that, I mean, I really hate to like haphazardly chunk everything, every external manifestation into the category of a distraction, but it kind of is because the only real place that love and happiness and joy ever really come from is inside of us is in lining up with our soul and what our soul came forward to do in lining up with who we truly are. If you, you know, like soul is just a way of saying like our individual core essence. Um, you can also say your authentic self. You can say who I really am, the, my deepest core version of who I really am. All of those things, I mean, they're synonymous in my book and I am never one to get hung up on the language because language is so personal. We pack it full of our own meaning. Anywho, I, I feel like I'm definitely getting off, off subject, which look at, I didn't even have a subject and here I am 17 minutes later because so often the thing that we thought we needed, you know, I thought if I'm going to make an episode, I need to know like what am I going to talk about? What am I going to, what's the point? What am I going on there to say? And turns out like, that's not even that required. Like put that into the category of how we hold ourselves back. The stories that we tell ourselves about why we can't get started yet. That's, that's a whole subject all by itself. Oh, So what's coming into my mind is I had this, the only flash that I did have, I'll say this, the only flash that I did have of doing this episode was drawing us, drawing a topic out of the mermaid jar in the middle of the episode. And that feels risky to me. Um, the first reason that comes to mind is that it highlights that normally when I agree to draw a topic out of the mermaid jar or draw a tarot card or whatever, there's always the contingency around it that if I don't resonate with what I draw, then I don't have to go there. I don't have to include it. Like I'm always getting to choose what, what I focus on. So if I don't like it, whatever, I'll just disregard it. And so then to like draw it in the middle of an episode, it just feels like, oh my gosh, what if it sparks off something that and then I talk about it before I've even had a chance to reflect on it. Oh my gosh, I'm getting into danger zone and like really living on the edge. <sighs> See, that's not so bad. <laughs> I drew uh, not caring what others think. Not caring what others think. That's a tall order. You know, this is, I think this is one of those... Um, core soul lessons that I am here to learn is how to actually not care what someone thinks about me and what I'm doing. 
that is so much easier said than done. And even once I started to kind of get better at it, I realized that it's still easier to do that, to like not care about some people than it is to not care about others. So like, we definitely prioritize some people. We, I use the terminology, we put them on a pedestal. And that is, it's just not a great, it's not a great situation for finding your own goodness and finding your own strengths and finding your own lovability and deservability and worthiness when because anytime you bump into this person that you have up on a pedestal, you automatically are below them. You automatically are not as good. You're the inferior one. You're, yeah. So it's really interesting that not caring what others think. It's, it's just another good example of new levels, new devils. And every time I think I, you know, I come into contact with someone and they are disapproving or whatever. Um, like Rita, oh my goodness, we haven't talked about Rita in like 20 episodes. I don't even think about her anymore. Like literally not at all. I mean, that occurred to me the other day. And if you're if you're not tracking on the Rita's saga, I mean, I'm not even going to go back into it because it it's on, I don't even know. It feels like the late teens are the episodes where we talked about her. Um, but yeah, like she doesn't cross my mind. And so in my mind, I'm like, wow, like that's that shows that my energy has moved to a new place. And in that new place, I'm not rendezvousing with this imaginary Rita that was in my mind that, you know, disapproved of my lifestyle choices. <laughs> um, so that's great that I, I raised my vibration enough that I'm not rendezvousing with those thoughts anymore. And so I no longer care what she thinks of me. And that feels really, really, really like a huge accomplishment to be able to say that. But at the same time, there are still people in my life where I realize like I, the pedestal, you know, it may be getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Um, but there are some people who I have on pedestals and when they disapprove of me or when they don't give me the reaction that I wish they would, it hurts my feelings. It's a new hurt that happens like all over again. And just like we were talking about, like happiness only ever comes from inside of ourselves. So like getting those external circumstances to line up the way that we think that they should, like getting these people to behave the way that we think that they should, that they should love us and they should laugh when we say something funny and they should be excited when we have exciting news. And, you know, like they should, they should care. They should be like this and they're not. And I'm aggravated about it. And, you know, I used to spend 
a lot, like as in most, if not all of my time in that place, judging other people's reactions to me and typically finding fault with their reaction, not being good enough, not being what I wanted it to be. And so now I'm just circling around. I didn't get what I want. I didn't get what I want. It was bad because of this. And I didn't like it because of this. And this was missing. And that was basically my mindset, which good Lord, like, yeah, who wouldn't be depressed if that was how your mind worked all the time. And so now where that's really not how I operate. And yet there are definitely moments where I run into these pockets of energy that I do still have where I definitely care what other people think of me and, you know, learning to not care or my favorite, I mean, when I'm really high flying, I can feel this, like, I don't give a rat's ass what you think of me. Like I can really feel into that. And most of the time it's like tugging at strings of imposter syndrome for me to say, I don't give a rat's ass what you think of me because the truth is like, I'm, I'm working on it. (laughs) I'm working through my issues of caring what other people think of me. Um, it's one, one more of those things that like, I don't know if we ever really fully heal those kinds of things, or if we continuously face the lessons as they come up and we get better and better and better, which isn't so bad. You know, like that's, that's continuous improvement, always something to be working on, always something to be growing into. So I'm totally cool with that. And I think one of these core soul lessons that I'm here to like loop around over and over and over again is not caring what other people think of me because, you know, going back to the Knight of wands tarot card, she's alone on this card. She is surrounded by high energy and she is in her own flow and her eyes are closed and the look on her face is pure bliss. None of this has anything to do with anybody else. This feeling is coming from her and that is what I want. And that is like, it's one of those things where like theoretically, logically, in my intellectual conscious mind, I totally get it. I totally understand why other people's opinions of what I'm doing shouldn't matter to me. And yet sometimes they still do. So I do spend, you know, some chunks of time, sometimes whenever it pops itself up, working on that shadow work, working on unraveling my sense of self from them and what they think of that self, you know, and I hate to say this, but you know, this is, this is not ever a fun story to tell, but it feels like, hello, spontaneity. Like it feels like the right time. So, um, one such person that I have this relationship with is my cousin who I own the grocery store with. And The thing about when you put someone on a pedestal, what that really means is that you have intense respect for them. You have admiration for them. You think very highly of them. Literally, they're on the pedestal. That's because you're thinking highly of them. So, you know, it's never... It's never a bad sign to the other person when you put them on a pedestal. It's only a bad sign to yourself when you have somebody else on a pedestal because all that means is that you can muster greater respect for them than you can for yourself. And that piece of it is definitely an interesting realization to sit with and 
and to feel into them being on that pedestal and what that means about what I think about them compared to what I think about myself. And not saying that you can't respect and admire and, you know, whatever to other people and teachers and people who inspire you and, you know, guide you as far as how you want to be in the world. That's, that's all, that's what we're here to do. That's, we're all in this together. But when we, when we have them on that pedestal, we run the risk of them disagreeing with us about our choices. Those, the freaking small, rare pieces that are within our total control, how we choose to be and how we choose to show up in this world. That is like one of the only things that we have control over. And then this person that we have up on the pedestal disagrees with that choice and tells you about it. Honestly, that's probably the easiest way to heal. It feels really shitty. It feels like fuck. Like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know how to compute this because he's the respectable one. Like he's much more advanced than I am. And he disagrees with what I'm doing. And yet I feel really strongly and really good and really aligned in what I'm doing. I didn't just wake up and choose to do this one day. It's been in the making for a long time. And the point I'm talking about, you know, obviously I'm 33. He's like 39, I think. Um, yeah, that's right. He'll be 40 next year. So he's been in my life my whole life. And like, we grew up in the same town. We went to the same school. He was just that much older than me in school. And like, I looked up to him so much. I mean, I'm the oldest in my family, but he's six years older than me, my first cousin. So he's like my older brother that I never had. And a year ago when Dolly and I had been dating for a year, which I shared about, and that was when I chose to update my Facebook status and, and put it out there that this is going on. Um, and I shared, you know, the overwhelming, unexpected outpouring of support and how many people went out of their way to say good for you. And I'm really happy for you. I'm happy that you're happy. And it was so cool to see, you know, how much more accepting the community was than I had given them credit for. That was a wonderful manifestation. And in all of that, there was only one person who voiced dissent and that was my cousin. And (laughs) he doesn't even have Facebook. Um, he is not a fan of social media. doesn't see the point. Um, and I posted this on Facebook to my my friends, and he sent me a screenshot of basically what one of my friends would have seen in the news feed, um, that Carly is now in a relationship with Dolly. He sent me that screenshot off of Facebook. So somebody obviously saw it, screenshotted it and sent it to him. Um, and this is like literally three minutes after I post it to Facebook. Um, I get his text and It's the picture of my relationship status, and it is several, probably like eight sentences about what were you thinking? How could you have done this? Are you fucking kidding me? I do believe is how it started. (laughs) 
Um, what makes you think this is the right time to do this? Um, just on and on and on with berating my choice and my even being in the relationship with her to begin with and being public about it. Both pieces were called into question with what he said and it felt like a punch in the stomach. It literally like knocked the wind out of me. I just like, I did not expect the overwhelming support that I got. I never imagined for him to say those things and to be so direct and clear with like how much he fucking resented what I just did. (laughs) And I mean, we're 50, 50 partners in the grocery store and you know, not to get into a whole thing, but like the grocery store in a town of 3,500 people, it's such a pillar of the community. You know, we serve a 1,500 people a week thereabouts. So we see people, we're members of the community. And he was just certain that they would abandon us over this, that they would not support me in my choices. And he was so mad that I did this to our business. And what he doesn't have access to or, you know, didn't ask or try to understand at all was at that point, I had just turned 32 years old. And from the time I can remember, I'm going to say like age four, maybe five, I knew I'm attracted to women. Like my pull is towards the girls, um, not, not the boys. And that has been part of my inner world my entire life. And so, and to keep it only in my inner world and never ever (laughs) try to give it away, like never try to even give a hint that that's what was going on. And now I am a year into what feels like a very successful relationship with this woman. And I am feeling proud. I'm feeling happy. I'm feeling like I found a place of contented peacefulness. And it felt like I don't want to hide this. I want, I want people to know I, I want Dolly and I to be a a thing. Like it's, it's a thing, you know, like everybody get on board and And posting to Facebook was such, such a, a process of like, cause I, I had talked to my mom and I had had kind of a pseudo conversation with my dad and my brothers knew, and that was about it. As far as like my family, um, any of my extended family, any of my old friends, like I had a couple friends at the time, they knew my immediate family knows and that's it. So putting it on Facebook for everyone that I'm friends with to be able to see that, that was definitely a big step of revealing my authentic self. And by no stretch of the imagination, did I take that lightly at all? Um, 
even down to the day I did it, I actually was in my friend's apartment with Dolly and the three of us were looking at her new tarot deck. Um, it was an Alice in Wonderland tarot deck. And in the front of that book, there was a tarot spread about making life choices. And <laughs> this is so funny, spontaneity. Hello. Um, because just yesterday, Dolly pulls the thing out of her wallet, uh, that I used to help me make this decision because it was, it was a long process and I don't exactly remember it. It was so much fun. And just even the, the process of getting to do that reading was so fun. But basically it was like, you know, you need at least two choices. And I went ahead and made three and it's like, write each choice on a piece of paper. And then it was a tarot spread that you did down to each choice. And then you read each path and you resonated with the path that felt like the path that you actually wanted to walk. And whichever path you chose, you picked up that option and opened the little pipe, the paper and see what it says. And the path that I chose that felt like, oh, hell yeah. Like the other two paths, not even close this path. Yes, absolutely. And I opened the paper and the choice was post your relationship to Facebook. And I was like, Okay. And the other options, I believe one was Dolly posts our relationship to Facebook. And the other one is, uh, don't post it to Facebook. Just leave it, just leave it alone for now. And so that's what the tarot spread told me to do. And I did it like immediately. I, I jumped off that cliff immediately. And a few minutes later, Chad sent me that text message. So the way he chose to approach that situation in terms of he obviously had spent, I mean, as long as it took him to type that text message, that's how long he spent with this moment in my life. And I had spent <laughs> about 32 years on this moment in my life, envisioning how would this actually unfold? How would this happen? You know, like, I feel like a lot of girls picture their weddings and their marriages and all of that. And this was more what I was picturing. Like, how am I going to reveal that I think I'm pretty different from others and, you know, maybe not unique, but definitely more rare than societal norms. And how am I going to feel safe living openly as myself? And to get to a point where I felt good enough about it that a tarot card could push me over the edge and have me posting my my you know female relationship on my Facebook status like that oh that was such a huge moment for me to be ready and to do it and to oh god I type like I did it I had it like on the screen and then it even just took me a minute to like even just push safe like push this is, I'm ready to put this out there. It was so scary. And one dissenting voice told me that it was a huge mistake. And it happened to be a person that I had on this super tall pedestal. I, I still probably have him on this pedestal. This has now been a year later. <laughs> and I'll tell you this, the pedestal's not near as tall. That experience and I mean, how I handled it was I just didn't respond. And where we were at that point in 
managing the store, it was like a week before I had to see him like face to face. And I didn't really have anything to talk to him about in between there. So like a week later, I saw him at the store and we talked business like we always do. And we've never talked about the fact that he was a total dick and blew up at me when I posted Dolly and I's Facebook to Dolly and I's Facebook, Dolly and I's relationship to Facebook. So we just never talked about it, but I resolved it within myself by chopping off about 85% of the pedestal that he was standing on. In my book, he got knocked down a peg or two because I would never treat someone that way. And seeing that side of him really showed me that like, you can admire a lot of things about him, but you have skills that he doesn't have. You know, you have sensitivities and you have abilities and you have a way with people that he will never even understand. And you don't need to inflate his importance and diminish your own at all. Like you deserve to feel like you've made a good choice and basically, you know, like classic inner mother moment of soothing myself. And the only way to soothe myself was to say that his opinion isn't the end all be all. He, he is not an authority on my life in any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't even really know me. So how could he be an authority on my life? And his opinion about me and my choices while it may have hurt my feelings right out of the gate, I'm really grateful that he voiced it because it helped me to see more clearly that this is exactly why my compass needs to be internal and I need to decide what feels right for me. And based on the big picture and all of the details and all of the moving parts of my life, which only I can be aware of, I get to make the best decision that I can make in any given moment. And if somebody else doesn't get it, it sounds like a them problem. And when I didn't respond to his hateful text message, it was very freeing, very, very self-empowering, very, very much a, mo a moment of disillusionment where I feel like almost in an instant, his clout in my life as far as like an important perspective in my life, I mean, it got reduced in into a more realistic size almost immediately. So that was probably very helpful. Uh, a very rough moment to live through, but probably in the grand scheme of things, very, very helpful in terms of establishing my priorities and my values and whose opinion matters most about the way I'm choosing to live my life. Is it this person that I've put on the pedestal for whatever reason, you know, like often that's a deeply rooted past programming kind of explanation, which is like a whole other subject than getting them off the pedestal and getting them on equal footing with you where your opinion is just as, if not more important than any other person on this planet, as far as how you choose to live your life. Nobody else should have more say than you do, more power over your choices than you do. And that day when he 
powerfully disagreed with me, it was so much easier to see that. It was so much easier to see, oh yeah, this is why you don't matter. This is why your perspective has to come second, at least, you know, if I consider it at all. I have to know what I want, focus on that. And if your opinion is different, well, I mean, it was easy in that moment to see, like, he has no idea what he's talking about. He has no idea, like, what went into this as far as, like, my whole entire life leading to this very powerful moment. He has no appreciation for the fact that he's shitting on what is a very freeing moment for me personally. Um, And he has four daughters. And that was probably the hardest part was, like, I really hope that somehow through this experience that he learned something that would prevent him from ever speaking to one of his daughters like that if they made a choice that he didn't agree with. Um, And again, I have the coping skills to take his response and not let it deteriorate me. If anything, it emboldened me. It empowered me. It let me see myself more clearly and how important my opinion of myself truly is. Um, yeah. I mean, when it's your dad saying that and you're just little five, eight, 10, 12, like, and he powerfully disagrees with what you're doing, like that's a formative a very imprinting experience, but yeah, I hope he learned something through that, but none of that is my business, you know? Um, it's more a chance to celebrate that this person whose opinion I valued very highly, he took serious objection with me and I survived. And that's really like when you're worried about what other people think of you, that's really like worst case scenario. So basically I lived it, I survived it, and it was actually very, very helpful in terms of working through trying to not care what other people think of me and what I'm doing. So this was absolutely unexpected, Miss Knight of Wands, with your spontaneity and your impulsivity and your bliss and flow. I never, I mean, I don't, I don't think I've ever even talked about my cousin on here and he and I have a very karmic relationship. There's deep work happening on my side of our relationship. At least I'm not sure about his side. We don't have that kind of conversation. Um, but there's absolutely deep karmic things that are working themselves out between him and I, as far as like power struggles and authority and autonomy and these pedestals that we put people on where their opinion matters more than ours does, where we just automatically submit to what they want and not caring what other people think is breaking out of that and saying, I'm sovereign and I get to decide that this is what I want and I'm moving forward with it, whether you like it or not. And that is absolutely something I've learned because that that has not always been the case. Um, it's still usually not the case. I'm like I said, I'm very much working through it, very much learning to not care what other people think, but oh, I've gotten a lot better. 
I've definitely made progress in that area, which lets me know it is, it's flexible. It's another one of those things that we can learn and we can grow and get better at listening to ourselves and guiding ourselves according to what aligns most with us, with our inner authentic source self. What does that version of us really want? What's important to that version of us? And let that be our guiding principle. Let that be what's on the pedestal. And let the rest of it matter less. And it is absolutely, <laughs> it's absolutely a process. And one that I don't know if we ever get to the end of, but you know, that's what puts the eternal nature in eternity that there will always be more delicious territory to explore. So I thank you for traveling in this delicious territory with me. Uh, and until next time, dear friends, you take good care of yourselves. And so will I.